Please take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 7 together this morning, and it's a great passage, rich in truth and meaning for us. So let me read this verse from the New American Standard Bible and encourage you to follow in whatever version of the Bible you have with you this morning. 1 Peter 3, 7, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. I was told a story about a man who was walking on the beaches of Southern California, and he stumbled across something. It was buried mostly under the sand, and he reached down and began to dig away at the object, and he found what appeared to be an Aladdin's lamp. He was immediately taken back to his childhood and remembered the story of Aladdin and the magic lamp. So he thought, could this be? So he very carefully rubbed the lamp, and all of a sudden, a genie appeared. And he said, you have one wish, make it good. And so he said, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I'm afraid to fly, and I can't swim, so I'm going to ask you to build a highway from L.A. to Honolulu for me. <laughs> well, this set the genie back. He'd never had such an awesome request made of him because of the difficulties of engineering such a highway between the mainland and Hawaii. And he said to the man, do you have a secondary wish because of the difficulty of the first? And he said, it's a close second. I have lived with the same woman for 25 years and I still don't understand her. Would you please explain her to me? And then, without skipping a beat, the genie said, Do you want two or four lanes on that highway? (laughs) Mostly the men were laughing at that because we don't understand. But the good news is the Lord understands. And He will, today, remind us of things which we might have previously known and are not currently practicing as it relates to understanding our wives or to enlighten us in areas that we were darkened in our understanding in. Now, I come to this message with three assumptions. And actually, I come to every message that I preach with these assumptions. The first is that God's Word is the best and the last word on any subject that we might consider, not the least of which is this all-important subject of marriage. The second assumption is that you, if you're here, are interested in what Jesus has to say about the marriage relationship. You wouldn't be here at this time on Sunday if you did not have some interest. If you know Jesus Christ, and a secondary assumption under the second assumption is, I'm teaching this to people who know Jesus. And if you know Jesus... There was the necessity of your naming Him your Lord in order for you to be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You look at Jesus as more than simply an escape clause from hell. You look at Jesus as the one who is your master. And you seek to follow Him. He is a benevolent master. He's an all-knowing master. He's a 
an all-powerful master who empowers us to do whatever he gives us to do. So the second assumption is, in addition to the fact that God's word is the best and last word on any subject, not the least of which is marriage, as a subject of Jesus Christ, as his bond slave, as Paul describes himself, and that's true of us, his bond servant, you too would want to adhere to whatever he has to say about marriage. And then the last thing is this, that marriage, Christian marriage especially, is a one flesh relationship. And typically we think of the physical aspect of marriage, and certainly the two become one physically in marriage. But also, it's one flesh in your soul and in your spirit. It's the total package. And that will be something that we need to think of as we look at this passage. And this passage is one which teaches we men who are married the art of understanding our wives. There are three things that are apparent to me when I look at this verse, and hopefully will be to you before we finish this lesson in the Word of God. There will be apparent to you as to what your wife needs so that you can understand that and then you can, with God's help, begin to apply it to your life as a married man. Here's the first thing she needs. And these are not in the order in which they are found in the verse, but in the order that I believe would be appropriate for us to consider our wives' needs. The first is she needs you to honor her. She needs you to value her, to show that you honor her. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about what I value, I spend a lot of time on. Would you say that's a fair statement, men? I mean, we work, and some of us don't like our work. Hopefully you like your work, and your work can become more dignified and palatable to you if you think about what the Word of God says in the book of Colossians 3, spoken to slaves, mind you, not to people who got paid for what they do, but people who were owned by other human beings, that it is the Lord Christ we are serving. It's the Lord Christ we're serving in our workplace, and that takes the bitterness out of a less than ideal work place for you or for me. We've all, as men probably, if we've been around long enough, had jobs we don't like. But when we come to this idea of what we value, what do you value, men? And how do I know what you value outside of your work? Well, I can tell by what you do with your discretionary time. That's an indication of what you value. What you do when there's something that you are passionate about and that something or someone comes into the picture, even if you have to clear the decks of all other obligations, I know men find ways to do what they really want to do and give time to it. If you're passionate about it, you find a way. So this is the way we begin to show that we value our wives. We spend time with them. I've done some thinking about my courtship with my wife. We were steady boyfriend and girlfriend for three years. And when it came to making time for my wife, I made time for her. I mean, I had no problem 
clearing the decks to spend time with my wife. And that went on for three and a half years. And then I got married. It's almost like I turned a switch and I still wanted to be with her. But for some reason, it was not quite to the degree I wanted to be with her when we were dating. Do I have a witness from some of the women here? It's true, isn't it? And I had her say to me, we don't spend time together like we used to. And I said, really? And she said, yes. And I said, well, help me work on that. Men, we show how we value our wives by the time we spend giving them our undivided attention when we're with them. Not tuning them out, but tuning them in. And we listen to what they are saying to us and we communicate with them. This is very important. Here's a second way that you and I as married men show value to our wives. Not only do we spend time with them, but also we show affection to them. Now, it's no secret to married people that men and women are naturally inclined in different directions when it comes to showing affection. And next week, God willing, I'm going to talk to the women in the audience, so I hope there's some of you back. I hesitate whether to say that during the message, but I'm going to. So men, make sure you're a good leader in your home and bring your wife back next week, okay? About understanding your husband. But here's one of the ways that we still don't quite get it, most of us don't, about our wives. Our wives just enjoy sitting on the sofa with us and are holding her hand. Not for five minutes, but for hours. Just being close to her and spending that time with her. Just being with her. And hugging our wives. For me, one hug a day is sufficient. But for our wives, and I know I'm stereotyping here a little bit, ladies, so don't turn me off if you're not that kind of touchy-feely person. But most women really enjoy being hugged by their husbands. So, men, hug your wife. If you're still in bed in the morning when you wake up, reach over and give her a gentle hug. Then when you're getting ready to separate to go your ways during the day, hug her again. And then give her an emotional hug by calling her during the day, not to tell her to pick something up you need from the grocery or your laundry or whatever. Just call her and say, hey, honey, I called you to tell you I love you. And mean it when you say it. Don't just say it. Mean it. I called you to tell you that I love you. And then when you see her in the evening, give her another hug. When you go to bed, give her another hug. She can't get enough hugs from you. So give her Hugs, guys. Hold her hand. Kiss her goodbye in the morning. Not on the cheek. Give her a kiss on the lips before you leave. You might say, oh, that's just too, that's too ooey-gooey for me. Go ahead. Be ooey-gooey. Show her your affection, man. And when we think of affection, man, we think of intimacy with our wives, right? Well, women think of intimacy a little differently than we. Maybe to some degree the same way we do. But they get intimacy from our engaging with them and really being close to them and loving them in that way and showing our value as we think of it in connection with them. And here's the third way that we can show honor to our wives by praising our wives. I love that passage in Proverbs 31. And especially when the Scripture says, Her husband rises up and praises her. And what does he say? Many daughters have done nobly, 
but you excel them all. That man knew the way to his wife's heart, didn't he? And he didn't do it simply to butter her up, manipulate her, to get something from her. He meant it. It's in the Word of God. He meant it. And we need to ask God to help us to honor our wives by valuing them, by showing them our interest in them in this way. We need to praise our wives daily. Find something about your wife to praise every day. You want to upgrade your marriage, man? Begin to practice this. This is hard. Those words kind of get stuck in our throats sometimes. To praise our wife. wife. And look, we praise someone for who they are, for attributes that they display. And with a Christian wife, remember, these words were written to men and women who were believers in Christ. And so, to a Christian wife, you will see the evidence, if she's obedient to what we saw last week, of a gentle and quiet spirit. The part of her which is invisible. It's the inner person of her. And that inner person is none other than Jesus in her, recreating His life in and through her. And look for those qualities and Praise her for those things. Do it sincerely. Do it creatively. Some of your wives, perhaps, once upon a time, wrote notes to you and would maybe put them in places that they knew you would find them. And they were little notes of appreciation. They were love notes from her to you. Some of you have had that experience. Well, look, men, that wouldn't be a bad idea for you to try out. And I know I was talking to the group last night in the evening service on Saturday night, and the majority of the men present are like under 30. So I told those guys, and I'll tell some of you men here today, what I told, I'll tell you what I told those guys. What I told them was, hey, I know many of you can't write legibly. You don't even know how to spell because you've got spell check and you've got a computer or whatever to do everything on. Well, look, try printing a note. It doesn't have to be long. Just print it. And if you need to have a dictionary, get a pocket dictionary to know how to spell the words. Just do it. Your wife will really appreciate it if you do that. And we're to do our praising of our wives publicly and privately. Here's what happens. If I only praise my wife when I'm with her in public, then what she can conclude is, if I'm only doing it in public and not in private, what she can conclude is that really I'm just showing her off. I'm showcasing her. She's my trophy. And then in private, it's a totally different story. And if I only praise her in private and not in public, she'll think, well, he's embarrassed of me. He won't say nice things about me in front of his friends or family or Whatever. So men, when we praise our wives, look for opportunity. Don't overdo this, but look for opportunity to praise her both publicly and privately. And remember, guys, whenever you try to learn something new, and this is new for most of you, I would imagine. It's not normal for men to do this. This is why God gives us orders to honor our wives. If we already were doing it, and these men in the first century were already doing it, there would not need to be a command to do it, right? We're commanded to do it because it's not something which comes naturally to us. And we're to 
honor our wives in a way that will bless them and give them a sense of great value in their lives. Men, if you dare to do this, I challenge you to do it. If you've got a pencil or a pen, find something to write these three questions down, maybe four before I finish. And you can ask these to your wife. And wives, if your husband's not grabbing for a pencil or a pen or paper, can you provide it for him at this point? <laughs> Here's the first question to ask your wife. Do you feel that you are the most important person to me? Next to Jesus Christ, do you believe that you are the next most, you're the most important person to me? Second question, do you feel that I value more than other activities I am engaged in besides work? Do you believe that I value you more than my hobbies, more than my friends, more than anything else? Am I number one next to Jesus? Ask that question. Notice the way I first suggested you ask the question. It's the better way. Do you feel? You know, we need to understand that our wives have feelings. Value her feelings. We don't come, as a rule, out of our feelings first. We come out of our heads, not out of our hearts. But God made women to come out of their hearts. So value her feelings. Here's the third question. How can I let you know that you're the most important person to me? Now, this is where it gets a little daring to ask that question. And then if you want to put real application to this message, at this point particularly, what I would encourage you to do is say, would you take some time and list ten things that you want us to do together between this Labor Day and next Labor Day? Would you do that? And then write them down in the order of priority. And ladies, go easy on your husband. I mean... Be sensitive to them. This is a big step for any man. I'm not trying to be facetious. This is a big step for a man to make. It makes him vulnerable like you are vulnerable in being submitted to your husband. This is a way, by the way, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians before it tells wives to be subject to their own husbands as to the Lord. Submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Right before that it says... We in the body of Christ are to be submitted to one another out of the fear of Christ. That would include husbands being submitted to their wives too. How do we submit to our husband, our wives? Husbands, we submit to our wives by asking them questions like this, by honoring them. We make ourselves vulnerable to them. It's hard, I repeat, to make ourselves vulnerable to our wives. But this is what we're called to do by honoring them. Now here's the second need that our wives have. This is in the text. And here again, we go to Scripture, do we not, to find direction as to how we do anything properly. If we're followers of Jesus, we value what He says more than anything else. You husbands, verse 7, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman. So our wives need us to protect them. Now, if you weren't here last week, let me share a tidbit with you that I mentioned last week. 
When the Scripture speaks of our wives being weaker than we, it does not mean that they're weaker than we are intellectually, nor are they weaker than we are morally. Statistics show they're higher in both categories than men in general. What it is referring to at least is the fact that they're weaker physically. People who know anatomy and physiology can vouch for that. We know that there's some women probably in this room that could come up on this stage and put me down like that. <laughs> but if you want to show your strength, women, find another man. I'm, I'm kind of weak at this point in life. Okay? But generally speaking, women are weaker. They have less muscle mass than men. The statistics show that. They have less hemoglobin. Do you know what hemoglobin does? It carries oxygen throughout our body. We can't live without oxygen. Women have 20% less than we. And therefore, they have 20% less oxygen. They're weaker than we in general. They're weaker than we are. We saw last week that one of the ways that women, Christian women, now I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but some of you may have missed this. This is written to Christian husbands and wives. And the rule for wives is if they want to be happy though married, they must be submitted to their husbands in all things. And then in verse 7, the rule for the husband, if he wants to be happy though married, he's got to live with his wife in an understanding way. So a wife who submits herself to her husband puts herself in a very vulnerable position. She is really trusting the Lord in a huge way. When she says, okay, I'm trusting you, Lord, to work through my husband to guide me and lead me. I want to be obedient to you, Lord. And this is what we can do. When we understand that, married men who know Jesus, and your wife knows the Lord, and she's seeking to submit to you, She's got some learning to do, too, about what that means. Give her some slack. Work with her. Appreciate the fact that she's doing that. Don't pull the submission card on her. It's a no-no. It is not a good deal. It's not my job to tell my wife to submit to me. It's my job to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave His life to her. And one of the ways I do this is living with her in an understanding way. By honoring her. And as we're looking at now, by protecting her. Well, where does your wife need your protection? Many areas. I'm going to mention three that are prominent. In the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 5, verse 8, the Word of God says, If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for his own household, he has denied the faith, and he is... Worse than an unbeliever. That is strong language, isn't it? If I do not provide for my wife and for my children, I have denied the faith without saying a word that would be considered a denial of the doctrines of the faith. I have denied the faith and I'm worse than an unbeliever. Wow. That's strong medicine, isn't it, men? Strong medicine. Now, here's a hard question to ask your wife. I'll be praying for you when you get to this point. Am I too irresponsible in the management of money? Go easy on your husbands, ladies, but tell them the truth if they have the 
guts to ask that question. Now, men, you probably know if you're irresponsible a little bit with money. Maybe you know you're irresponsible a lot. Are you making your wife work because of your irresponsibility? And I'm not saying it's wrong for women to work outside the home. Some people would say God does not want under any circumstance for a Christian wife to work outside the home. I'm not in that camp, so don't mishear me. But are you making her work? Does she feel the push to work because of your irresponsibility with finances? Or do you push her to work so she can carry her end of the deal? After all, this is a partnership. I work, you work, 50-50. Look, if marriage is going to work from either side of the equation, male and female, both must understand it's not 50-50, it's 100-100. Let me say that again. It's 100-100. You and I, men, are to give 100% to our wives without thought of what they're going to give back to us. And women, it's true for you too. 100% to your husband without thought of anything coming back. And can you see the wisdom of God when we do that? What's going to happen? You cannot help but have a good marriage, a very good marriage. After I gave the message earlier today, a dear brother came to me afterwards, and he made mention of the fact, he said, you know, I have looked at my wife and I as a partnership. She's a professional. I'm a professional. She's supposed to go to work because she's qualified. I'm going to work. And I stand corrected. I'm to make that an option for her and not push her to go to work outside the home. They have three children at home. And God spoke to him. And he declared it to me. He said, I'm confessing that to you, Pastor, so that you can hold me accountable. The second thing she needs protection about is disciplining your children. And some of you don't have any children in the home anymore, so you can tuck this away and tell your sons who are grown and have children what you learned today from the message about discipline. The Bible says... Those whom I love, these are the words of Jesus, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Men, if you're like Christ in relationship to your daughter and to your son, what are you going to do? You're going to discipline your daughters and your sons. This is love. Jesus himself says, I show my love by disciplining my followers. And so, men, this is the call in our lives. What happens many times, and especially if your wife stays at home and keeps the home and makes the home for you and your children, especially if that's the case, your wife's been with those little kids 24-7. I mean, it is non-stop for your wife. And you need to understand what that is. Stay home one day and let her go away and see what that's like. When... Daddy's come home and they've worked all day. Mom's been with them in the home all day. Many times it's just playtime. Daddy comes home and I read a statistic that said even little infants, this is phenomenal, children who are somewhat aware, obviously, you'll see why I say that in just a moment, but still toddlers, maybe even in the crib still, when Daddy comes in the room, their blood pressure rises. Why? Why? Because daddy means play. We're going to have fun with daddy. 
I know some of you daddies aren't fun. I feel sorry for your children if you're not. But the reality is moms are there to just kind of hold the fort, right? We hold it together, right, moms? You do, don't you? What would we men do without our wives? But discipline is the husband's responsibility every bit of much as much, if not more, than the ladies. So discipline your children, men, especially when they're teenagers and especially if they're male teenagers. This is what I've noticed, and this is so hard for mothers when their little boys transition from boyhood to puberty, and all of a sudden, who is this kid? He begins to sass his mother. He pulls away from her. He doesn't want to obey her. But let daddy enter the picture. And it, it's a different story. That son, I don't ever hear you talk that way to your mother again. I want you to obey your mother. And if you do not obey, and if you sass her, you have me to answer to. Boy, you may have to say that about four times a day until they get out of the house. But go ahead, men, and act on it. Discipline them. May I suggest a good book? It's an old book, and it's been revised by James Dobson on disciplining. Read a book. Men don't read anymore. They never read much before, but very few men read. We just don't. And this generation coming up, you young men especially, learn to read. Learn to learn from men who understand what it means to be good fathers, like James Dobson. His book, Dare to Discipline, was really his first work. Great book. Another book he said, wrote that was good is The Strong-Willed Child. Great books on disciplining. He believes in corporal punishment, not beating children, but spanking children when they need it. A very reasonable approach from a man who taught at University of Southern California, Ph.D., all that, godly man. He gave another shot at it, probably 20 years later, the new dare to discipline. Get that. And if you can't read, guys, I know you watch things. So this is available, not the entire book, but a distillation of it is available on DVD. Get it and look at it. Or put it in your CD player when you're driving around. Listen to it. Learn from men who have knowledge and wisdom and learn to be a good disciplinarian, and in so doing, you will be protecting your wife. And in the house, your home is your house, men. It's your wife's home. And it's probably your home, too. But make the distinction, your wife is tied to the house. And we think, well, it's just a thing. It's material. How can she be so materialistic? Isn't she a follower of Jesus? Doesn't she know if she seeks first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these other things will be added to her? Doesn't she know that she's to take care of the poor and all that? Look, it's her home. And she takes great pride in her home because it's an extension of her and her life. She's tied to that because it's where you and she live together, where you and she raise your children. It's important to her. Now, it's well documented that I'm really terrible as it comes to fixing things. I'm just a total bust on that. I can change a light bulb, but I always have to think about this. I did this last night. Left to loose, right for tidying it. Tightening it, you know. Tidy, righty, righty, tidy. I can't even remember that. But anyway, I have to think about that every time I'm just changing a light bulb. That's ridiculous, isn't it? But it's the truth. 
But I can call a repair person to help when there's a problem that I can't fix. Some of you are so handy. I admire you. I'm not dwarfed in my own heart by you. I do admire you. Everybody has his own gifts and talents, so it's okay. And women, don't compare your husband. I'm getting on next week's subject. Don't compare your husband to other men who are so good around the house. Don't do that, okay? But see to it that the house is kept up. I'm reminded of another story. I began with one. I'm going to give this story too. This is even more endearing to my own heart. It's a story about a husband and wife. They had three small children. She was a stay-at-home mom. He was walking out the door one day, and he'd walked out that same way through the laundry room, out into the garage, many times that week, probably three or four days. And each time, the pile of laundry was getting larger and larger and larger. And he made some complaint to her as he was leaving about the laundry. Aren't you going to do the laundry? I've watched this for three days, and now look how much is undone. Aren't you going to do it? She said, honey, don't you remember that for all these days I've been asking you to get the washing machine fixed? It's broken. And without skipping a beat, he didn't even look back. He walked out the door fearing he would be late to work. He said, who do you think I am, the Maytag man? Now, some of you don't know who that is, but Maytag used to be a brand of washer. And there was this commercial series about the Maytag man who would fix anything, you know. And he just went on to work. He forgot about it. When he came home in the evening, he walked through the garage, opened the door to the laundry room, and lo and behold, all the laundry was gone. He said, what happened to the dirty laundry? She said, it's washed and put up. He said, did you go to the laundromat? She said, no, I went next door, asked our neighbor, who's really handy, if he could take a look at the washing machine. He said, I would be glad to. He came over something very minor. He fixed it. And so the problem is fixed. And then he walked in to the kitchen and he smelled the aroma of a, just a delicious smelling apple pie, fresh out of the oven. He said, wonderful, we're going to have apple pie tonight. And she said, think again. <laughs> this is for the neighbor next door. Who do you think I am, Betty Crocker? It's great. It's great. I love that. That's a great story. So men, protect your wife by keeping your house in good shape. Okay? Because it's a reflection of her. It shows that you value her when you do that. Now here's the last thing we learn from this text that we need to understand in order to be the kind of husband that God wants. Not only does our wife need our honor and our protection, but our wives also need harmony in the home. Let's go back to the text again. Verse 7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. We are fellow heirs with our wives. We are one in Christ, we are in a one flesh relationship. We are to be living in harmony. You know, the worst thing that can happen to a church is for there to be division. You know, God hates dissenters 
and people who stir up dissent in the church? We know that because in Proverbs 6, 16 and following, he says, there are seven things which I hate. And the seventh thing is a man who stirs up division between brothers. God hates it. And he expresses just how much he hates it in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 when he describes the church as the body of Christ. We, do you know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit here today? We who know Jesus make up the temple of the Holy Spirit in this place. And the Word of God says in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 3, 17, that the one who destroys the church will himself be destroyed by the Lord. God hates dissension. And there must be harmony in the home. Harmony between a man and a woman who know Jesus Christ, who are submitted to the Lordship of Christ. It cannot help but happen that there be harmony. It doesn't mean it's perfect. There'll be differences. There'll be arguments. That's just part of being men and women who contend with our flesh still. That selfish side of us that remains even after we've been redeemed. But overall, we will find a place of harmony. And our wives need it. Can you imagine women living in the first century? Most of these women we have seen to whom this letter was first read were women coming out of a pagan, Gentile background. According to pagan worship practice in this day, the women could not even go to the temples of the pagan gods. In Jewish life, women could go to the synagogue, but there was a screen that divided them. They couldn't be seen. They were made to sit behind a screen rather than be seen. When the Torah was read, when the... the homily was given, when the prayers were prayed, they had to be segregated from the men. And then all of a sudden, Jesus Christ comes into the picture and He makes the two one. There is neither male nor female in Christ. There is equality in the body of Christ as far as the genders and especially in the home. This whole matter of women being submitted is critically important. There will not be harmony in any home if a woman in Christ does not submit herself. But understand, this idea of submission is a matter of function, not status. We're equal before Christ in the home. And we treat each other as such. Male to female and female to male. Our wives need harmony. Do you know what those wives must have thought of, ladies? The same thing if you know Jesus, you desire probably and if, if you don't, you need to check your heart more than anything else. That you and your husband really share Jesus together. Men, that doesn't cost you anything except your life. To lay down your life for your wife. To submit yourself to Christ. You have that kind of harmony in your home. If you women want that, cry out to God for it. And men, provide that for your wife. Be her spiritual leader. If we don't strive for harmony, we will hurt our wives and our wives will become unresponsive to our overtures of affection. Have you ever come up to your wife and put your arm around her or tried to hug her and she just got stiff as a board? Has that ever happened to anybody but me? That's an indication something's wrong. It's an indication that you or I have 
bruised, if not crushed, our wives' spirit. So how can we restore harmony once it's been disrupted? Well, the beginning place is to ask her how you have offended her. Let's go back to the immediate illustration. You come up to her, you hug her, she tightens up. Don't say, well, what have I done this time? Or what's wrong with you? Don't say that. Collect yourself and say, honey, I obviously have offended you. Would you mind telling me how I've offended you? And then show some remorse at the suggestion that you've offended your wife. This doesn't require tears or anything like that. Your wife will know when you really mean it, when you show remorse. Seek her forgiveness. Don't say simply, I'm sorry. Do you know, men, if you're like me, it's hard to say, will you for... for I can't get that word out. Will you forgive me? It's harder for us men, isn't it? But go ahead and say it. Will you forgive me because you've offended her? And ladies, remember what the Bible says in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Understand, women, if we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. Jesus said that more than one place. Seek forgiveness, men, after showing remorse, after you've become aware of how you've offended your wife. Here's the last thing. Commit your life to change in that area where you have shown offense Understanding you can't do it without Jesus. He is the one who empowers us. We cannot do these things, men. I cannot honor my wife. I cannot protect her properly. I cannot live in harmony with her unless I'm under the umbrella of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It will not be many weeks hence before we're going to be looking at 1 Peter 3.15. Set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. Men... Are you setting apart Jesus Christ as Lord? Are you submitting your life to the Lord? And that would include, obviously, your marriage to the Lord. Are you submitting yourself as a husband to the Lord? Harmony is most obvious when couples pray together. How's your prayer life, men? How's your personal prayer life? Are you getting answers to your prayers? It could be, if you're not, they're being hindered. Do you know who's hindering them? The answers? You are. Look again at verse 7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Last week we saw the word hindered was a military term used by an army to slow the march of another army to defeat them. What they would do, they would come and they would put roadblocks in the roads or they would destroy the roads. So the army had to slow down and it gave the defending army time to get better prepared to fight or to run, retreat, whatever the case may be. How would we rate our prayer lives? Is God answering your prayer? Here's one way that we hinder God answering our prayers. I was with a brother yesterday. We were looking at conditions for answered prayer. 
We found nine different conditions. There are probably nine more. We found nine conditions for answered prayer. And this one was at the bottom. And we agreed, as we talked about it, that this is the one that is the hardest for us to fulfill. And can you see why? The devil wants to destroy families. And it's our fault if we play into his hand. It's our fault. We can't blame the devil for destroying anything as it relates to our own spiritual life. But he sure works over time. We need to recognize that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, whether we're men or women. When you and your spouse are embroiled in a struggle, it's not against each other. The devil is involved in it. And we need to understand that. We need to put on the whole armor of God to fight the battle. Do you know many times when wives sigh due to injury in their soul, due to feeling undervalued, unprotected by their husbands. Those sighs are heard by the Lord. And our relationship with God can't be right, men, when we are out of sorts with our wives or anybody else for that matter. Our spiritual fruitfulness is at stake as individuals and as a church. You know what will immediately create a groundswell of fruitfulness in the form of people coming to Christ in this church? Men, if we today will commit ourselves to the Lord, Lord, help me. I prayed this twice already with the brothers. I'm praying it again in a few moments. Help us be men who live with our wives in an understanding way. St. Francis of Assisi wrote this, Lord Grant that I may seek more to understand than to be understood. There's a little boy in most of us men. And we want to be understood by our wives. We can't understand why they don't want to understand us. And it's because we haven't really put in the work to understand them. They're by nature nurturers as a rule. And let's forget about ourselves men. Let's be like Christ. It's not impossible. He lives in us if we know Him. And ask the Lord Jesus to empower us to be such husbands.